0: it's time for this week's wrestling with sports i'm dennis farrell we've got dimitri young we got jason kindle and dimitri this week i'm gonna let you do the intro for our guest which everybody probably already knows when they downloaded the episode but dimitri intro
1: oh well i mean the last ecw world heavyweight champion television champion former nwa champion Former, the first SmackDown tag team champion and currently in Impact Wrestling with the ECW chat alongside Tommy Dreamer. None other than Rhino. <laughs>
2: what an introduction.
3: That was actually pretty good. Rhino. thanks for joining us. That, that, this is awesome. I'm a huge fan um, as well. And uh, man, this is, I hope you and your family are all good. Uh, in this whole crazy world we're living in and I know you're still wrestling and and how difficult is it right now to, to just to go out with no fans? I know you guys are probably filming somewhere. Um but it's gotta be difficult, don't
2: it? Um yeah it's a little difficult. But uh I was talking with Scott Damore. He's uh in charge at Impact and uh the, the, the men and women that are wrestling nowadays I think are um I, I would agree with them are able to wrestle in front of uh um uh, you know, in front of not having a crowd opposed to in front of a, a live crowd, because a lot of the men and women now they're they're in the gym training all the time in the wrestling gym, and you know practicing a lot more. Back in the day, once you started, you were on the road seven days a week uh, wrestling in front of people, so they're you know that was kind of your practice in front of a live audience. So um, nowadays, a lot of men and women are just so obsessed with training and perfection and. Not that the men and women back then weren't, but uh, so so I could kind of agree with them on that because everybody seems to, if they're not on the road, they're in the gym, uh, the wrestling gym, working out someplace. So there's a so, co- yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a stretch, but for myself because I've been doing it for such a long time. But you know, it it it, it wasn't too difficult.
0: There's a couple staple questions. It seems like each one of us asks our our guests as they come on, and kind of the ones I'm more curious about is now we're going into this new uh, COVID kind of world. Mm -hmm. It 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 has slowed, at least killed the wrestling business for now, which was probably one of the greatest years, the last couple two years in wrestling history. You know, these guys all have podcasts which are blowing up. You have Starcast. You have you know nwa opening up you have aew opening up you have impact turning things around we're now as i said this this new covid world do you think this like puts the kibosh on any momentum that the wrestling business has has garnered in the last few years or is this business where it is now like teflon it'll bounce off it'll come back where it is is there any worries in your mind
2: Um, No, not really. I think like a lot of things, this uh, COVID um, has slowed uh, the wrestling business along with other businesses down, unfortunately. Um, But it's something that we'll have to uh, adapt to uh, the changes as far as when we start having live audiences. And the independent scene was, I mean, on fire. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't resign with WWE is because they had to cycle their talent because they had such a large uh, talent roster. And I'm the guy that likes to still be on the road, working this and that. So with Impact, that would allow me to work the independent teams. And it's kind of like a grassroots. You're out there meeting the fans, meeting great signing this, this, and this. And I think um, one of the things I wanted to do is put out a video for independent promoters and wrestling uh, promotions, um, you know, if you distance your crowd, and a lot of these independent wrestling promotions are run in bigger buildings that they're not filling up. So they can allow people to distance themselves, you know, take precautions, wear gloves, wear masks, and then, you know, hand sanitizers this and that. But we have to adapt to the, 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 the world we live in today until this thing is over and done with. But I think, um, I think because people, uh, they want to go to live events. They want to go to baseball games. They want to go to basketball games. They want to go to the theater but we'll just have to they'll want to go to the restaurants they'll have to only fill it at a, a small capacity so you can practice a social distancing and go and be entertained you know and uh be healthy and stay safe so i think to answer your question i think it will bounce back and uh, it will bounce back just as strong so well it'll
3: bounce back you know you're right especially with the vaccine though they get a vaccine cuz baseball is getting ready to start quote unquote so they say i think july 4th is their kind of uh, date but it's just gonna take one person to um to get it again so i mean they gotta be sure and, and fan, as, as far as fans i mean i wouldn't take my kids to a game or a, a stadium right now and um, i don't know but you guys have been like just going 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 and i'm gonna shut up cause i know dimitri has a million questions to ask you but i mean just as far as like a baseball player it's going to be difficult because it's going to take one person. I mean, I know NASCAR starting Sunday. It's going to take one NASCAR driver to to get it, and then they're going to shut everything down. So it's scary, scary stuff. And obviously um, not as as important as sports that it is. But, I mean, as far as the athlete going out there and performing.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and you bring up a great point, too. You know, the the people that are out there, um, you know, the athletes or the performers, you know, um, we sometimes don't think about their health, well-being, even though a lot of managers of these sports teams and owners, you know, they, they uh, shut down the seasons and stuff because a couple people had tested positive, um, you know. But it, it's one of those things where, you know, the longer we stay in the house, the, the, the more um, other problems will occur, whether it's suicide. And Because me personally, I can go in a room, and you know, of a thousand people and, you know, own the room. Or I can be at my house for months and, you know, it wouldn't bother me. But there's a, there's a lot of people out there struggling right. with anxieties and stuff. And I just read, Yeah, I just read something in the paper, you know, with breast cancer awareness over a three-month period. Um, there's early detection of cancer, um, you know, in people, 800,000 cases in three months. So a lot of these, uh, you know, so it's very unfortunate. Cancer's uh, stricken all of us. So we have to, you know, because a lot of uh, hospitals, they didn't want to be overwhelmed. Plus, they didn't want people going in there and getting sick and spreading it. So, um, you know, I think if we come together and come up with plans where people can get screened and, you know, only certain hospitals treat COVID patients, that's something we have to look at. Because the last thing we want to do is, you know, go without treating cancer, um, you know, earlier the better my brother once he was diagnosed he passed away two and a half months later and uh you know so cancer works fast
3: and, i'm sorry you know, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that and, and you know what it, it's funny dimitri i'll shut up after this i promise but um my mother-in-law right now just got diagnosed with and she's with us now and you know and she's she she's korean my wife is korean and, and she speaks kind of broken english well we were not able to go into the hospital and we're out yep. you know, trying to lung cancer spread to the brain and it's, you're so a thousand percent right. That's why I wanted to jump in again, D. I apologize. Right. I, I'm dealing with it. And, and we had to, you know, try to wave outside of um, the window. And, and hopefully she sees us and, you know, and she yeah. keeps, she's with us now and she's, she's better, but she's going through radiation right now. Right. Chemo, but uh, Rhino, honestly, that is very, very right. cool. You said that because people do need to look at stuff like that. And right, right. God, we have these nurses, these doctors and these frontline um uh men and women that are, are just in all honesty they're they're just going out there um risking their own lives because this is right. not something that's that's uh, um god dog it i mean it, it's hard it's not something that's yeah. you know so people I, hopefully people don't ruin this to the point to where you open up
2: here you open up there
3: right and, and it just gets worse and worse so but right. no, thanks for saying that nice i wanted to share that with you as well
2: yeah and that's uh my, i'll keep uh Your mother-in-law and my thoughts and prayers. Like my neighbor, he needs uh, he needs hip surgery. Like that, he can prolong. You know, he's in pain, but he was uh, he's a Vietnam vet, so he's he's been in some difficult uh, stuff. So, I mean, you know, hip pain, you know, he can get through. You know, uh, but and and that's a lot of things. You know, leaders have to look at. You know, and it's sometimes it's like you know we talk about sports and. I'll be honest with you. I'm the best quarterback that's never stepped on the field. (laughs) So like a lot of, you know. We're right there with you. Yeah, a lot of quarterback, uh, couch quarterbacks or whatever they call it. But, you know, whenever you're in the thick of things, that's when you really know the difficulty. So, you know, we all have – we can contribute thoughts and, and, uh, you know, maybe uh, have questions or stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we just got to, you know, try to, you know, figure this out together and not – and I jumped the gun, you know, because if you do that, then we're back at the drawing board. So, but yeah. So, like I said, I've been waiting for a timeout uh or being grounded ever since I started working. So, for me. <laughs> no, no I, I'm right there with you. D, I'll, I'll shut up, Dimitri. <laughs> Dimitri, how are you doing, buddy? Oh,
1: man, I am so good, man. You know, it's so good catching up with, you know, had good times hanging out and Whitmore Lakes at, uh, what was that, uh, Captain Joe's or Outrigger's. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, you know, I was in ah, you know, being around you being a, a successful wrestler that, that's a known wrestler, and I'm a big wrestling fan, as you know, and I kept up with you ever since and seeing you all over the place, man. It's just like you you're in, you were, you did um TNA, then you were in ROH, you bounced around in the indies, you went back to WWE and now you're in Impact. And uh we had a draft a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. And and you was my second to last pick because I needed a locker room leader with all the people that I drafted because of you know, when I see you, that's what I see now. And I don't see you as a heel anymore. So my question, and I never asked you this, was you wear a singlet, where did the singlet come from and where did the name Rhino come from?
2: Well, I give the, the, the name Rhino, I give a couple people take credit for it. I give Dilo Brown the credit. Um we we're in uh we we're wrestling for uh promoter he actually booked me my second match Malcolm Monroe the first person ever booking in the u s and uh he ran shows out of detroit x i c w um, yes yeah uh well that's his son d b a okay um Malcolm monroe senior and uh great guy i mean one of the best guys i've ever met and what a what a true uh what a true gentleman too but uh anyways uh we we're in a, the GI forum and the power went out, but we got a generator and we got some uh, tree lights, you know, so we were able to run the wrestling show and all of a sudden the locker room had no windows and it's dark outside now. And I hear this voice right or Terry, Terry. I'm like, yeah, he goes, it's d I go, Hey man, what's up? Like you could not see, you know, like a foot in front of your face. Right. So anyways, uh, He uh, he goes, hey man, you ever thought about using uh, the name Rhino? And I go, no. And then he kind of sold me on it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. So the very next show, I wrestled for um, Al Snow down in Lima, Ohio, and I used the name Terry Rhino Richards. And then after that, I just used Rhino Richards all the way up until ECW. And they uh, they weren't going to use Terry Richards or Rhino Richards because Stevie Richards and he had just left. So they came up to me, and I was looking to uh, drop Richards anyway. So they came up to me. They go, what's your name? The ring announcer. And that's how it happened. I go, Rhino. He goes, okay, you're up second. <laughs> what's your weight? <wife?"> that's <laughs> 2.95, yeah. So, awesome. yeah. so we- the singlet, I always uh-
1: – and, and real yeah. quick, I want to say that we, we made a trade, and I still have the singlet. I uh, still oh. have
2: it hung up, but it's, it's now
1: moved from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to Houston, Texas, where my fiance lives. I'm still in Southern
2: California. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, I actually have your jersey. It's in storage. I uh, I just redid the house, so I've got to go grab some stuff out of storage and it's going right here in the office. So, yeah, I frame that up and everything. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's, and it's a game worn jersey, too. So He won't even um, give me but, one. What's that? He won't even give me one. <laughs> no, no. Hey, hey you just notice how he just
1: asked, and this how he asked. Yeah, exactly. He asked him,
2: yeah. Like, eh, I
1: didn't get one. Eh, well, I, <laughs> I a nipple in my mouth. Eh.
3: Cups. Exactly. Hey, Rhino, I'm gonna tell you what. You know, you know what's more impressive to me right now than anything is just how well you handle yourself. And this is, I guess, for fans more than anything. Is like when you see someone. I mean, you, dude, you're you're a badass. You go and you beat the crap out of your everybody and then yourself your body but what a good dude i mean i've met um certain wrestlers but i can just tell you're well spoken you're you got it you got it down and um i'm gonna tell you what i i I am very very impressed right now the only wrestling question i have for you and then i'll shut up again i'll try see i can't even shut up i'm sorry (laughs) but um so okay so when i don't know how many years ago it was but when you came back the wwe and the wyatts were and i asked tommy dreamer this the other day because it's just i I got goosebumps and i was like so fired up how awesome was it like when your music hit this is the same thing i I asked tommy and i go when your music hit and when you came back to uh uh, with with the heart well heart uh the not the hardy boys um dudley boys when you came back was that like a do you still get that rush do you still get that because when you came out i'm like oh my god this is unbelievable
2: well, I'll, I'll tell you, we'll back up a year before um, when they brought me into NXT. And being on the main right. roster, of the pay-per-view and all that stuff, that was a great rush, and uh, I think we were in Baltimore the first night, and then, uh, you know what was another rush is, it was in 2018, and it was the first Royal Rumble appearance in, I want to say, uh, since 2004. So I came out against Russo, and the crowd was so intense and we're in philly and i'll never forget i'm just like you know like every time i go out there i'm very blessed because i think a couple things one i've done a lot of independence it's kind of like that grassroots and people respect that out of you they they see that you don't think you're too good to do independence and uh um for actually xicw uh for years i was going there and wrestling for malcolm and i would charge him next to nothing um, just because one I was able to see the boys and two it was kind of where I started his dad gave me a big break and I always liked uh, DBA um, so he was always great to me and you know and it was it was a it was family so I think just not thinking that you're too good to do the independent shows um, for all those years and and being around for so long um, I think people really appreciate that because Everybody knows what it's like to go through that daily grind, whether it's life, whether it's work, whether it's, you know, all of our jobs have good things about it, bad things about it. So, but I'll never forget when I first went back to, uh, this was in 2015. And it was great because Mark Carano called me up and he's like, hey, we want to bring you down for NXT. Are you busy on Wednesday? Are you booked? And I go, well, let me check my schedule. Usually, nobody's running wrestlings on Wednesday. No, I need to big time them, right? I go, let me check my schedule. I'll uh-huh. call you next time. Kind of like that girl wanting to go out on a date with you. Hey, let me see if I'm busy. You know damn well you're not busy. So, <laughs> yeah. so I go, hey, uh, I go, uh, I'm open next Wednesday. And it happened so fast. And they go, okay, we'll call you back. Um, and then uh, tomorrow we'll schedule the flight and all that stuff. And so they got me down there and I'm, I, I'll never forget, you know, going out there. I knew I would perform well, um, but I was I was wondering how the crowd would react. And I mean, they were they gave me a holy shit chant. I don't know if I can say you it, can, but no, absolutely. OK, you can okay use okay. every curse word at least. Oh, twice. You <laughs> so, you know, in that moment was such an emotional moment for me on the inside, not where I wanted to tear up or anything it was all those days of the long drives of the independent shows of you know uh you know you, the some promoters usually all the promoters uh, you know treated me well um you know the mishaps the you know all those things you know it was just like wow this is something i worked towards and you know and the the recognition i got from the fans you know it was just like it was really really intense and and they said it was one of the the greatest. And I was only supposed to go down for one uh, one weekend, and then they brought me back, and they kept bringing me back for almost a year. So, and then that is did awesome. yeah. And then they signed me to a uh, Legends deal. And then they um, here's actually here's a true story, and hopefully a lot of fans um, will learn something out of it. And it's more or less never never say never, never give up. In 2013, Hunter Hunter seen the potential, and he's always seen the potential. He uh, goes to Vince, and he goes, Hey, Vince, what about Rhino? And he goes, I like him, but I I think he's a good performer. I like him as a person, but he'll never have a position here in WWE, right? And this isn't to get mad at Vince. It's just what he's seen, right? It's business. So what's that? It's just business. Right, right. He said, Terry will never have a job here in WWE. And uh, so and Hunter said to Terry Taylor to tell me, you know, it's not a fight that he could win. So... After and and Hunter actually told me this um right after I, I, I started in NXT, he goes, right when I didn't have to run everything through Vince, because Vince likes everything ran through him, whether it's a control thing or if it doesn't work, he can't blame anybody but himself because he greenlighted. So, anyways, once uh, Hunter was able to, you know, make calls and not run everything through Vince with NXT, he brought me down. And it worked so well. So fast forward a year when they did the brand split in 2016, Vince asked for all the names that have ever worked for him, And I was one of five that Vince handpicked. So hey. three years earlier, I right. saying I would never have a spot. And, and the point I'm trying to make is, you know, when you get news like that, you know, because that's your goal is to eventually go back there. You know, it's a little crushing. But if you stay true to your goal and you, you have that, you know, that point you want to get to, um, you know, a compass will tell you due north, but it won't tell you the swamps, the hills, the valleys in the way. So you just got, you know, things will be thrown in your lap and you just got to go around it and just keep on heading that your direction, you know, and and you'll get there. And, and I did. So, you know, that is, so cool.
3: that is you know what, because it really is the more positive you think positive things are going to happen. And if you think negative, yeah. you're going to have negative things happening. I'm going to tell you what, you're not the rhino. Obviously, I haven't met you before tonight, Um But dude, you're the rhino that just goes out and beat. I'm so impressed right now, and it does take a lot to impress me, not that I'm anybody, but I am so impressed right now with just the the, the person that you are. So, dude, kudos to you. This is awesome.
2: You want to hear something funny with Mother's Day that just passed? I don't know if any of you have seen that. Uh, It was Mother's Day uh, 20 years ago. I wrestled Sandman. And his wife, uh, I piled drove her off the ring apron through the table. <laughs> yeah, oh, Mother's Day. Yeah, That's Mother's beautiful. Day. I a happy ah. happy happy Mother's Day. And uh, you know, I was just I was looking at that. My buddy sends it to his mom every single year. That, <laughs> that is and it's awesome. Kind of like an inside joke. And I and I told him he told me this like three years ago. And I go, why would you do that, right? He goes, it's just kind of an inside thing and. She pops off of it, you know, and that's it, right? And, uh, well, I was one of his favorite wrestlers growing up as a kid, you know. And uh, anyways, uh, so after he told me that, a couple more people had told me they would send that to their mother on Mother's Day. And I'm like, hopefully that don't become a thing (laughs) because I feel real bad. And I was looking at, you know, some of my stuff because a lot of times, I don't know if it's like this in baseball, uh, Dimitri, but you go back and you watch old footage you know, with wrestling, with moves and stuff like that, I don't know if you do that with hitting or, or what or footwork. Oh, definitely. Or, yeah. So, you know, you kind of think, okay, well, that helped me out there. And So I'm watching some of my stuff, and I had sent that to my buddy. It actually popped up on my newsfeed, I think. And then I watched it, and then I sent it to my buddy, and he laughed. He goes, I'm getting ready to send it to my mom again this year. So, and I'm looking, I'm like, wow, I was, as a heel, I was pretty intense. And if I ever turned heel again, I would want to kind of do the same thing. And then I'm thinking about like, can I do that same thing as a baby face? And that's kind of what I'm doing in, uh, impact right now. Um, and I remember watching old stuff with Dick, the bruiser. And I don't know if you guys know who yes. Dick the bruiser is. And he, um, he said he didn't change society changed. So he became a baby face, but in an interview he did. And, uh, You know, because back then they were really secretive about the profession. So he was a babyface, but he kind of wanted to, you know, make it seem like his character never changed from when he was a heel. And that's when he got over as a heel. So, um, you know, and, and it's good to watch old stuff and new stuff and make it your own. And what was old can be new again.
0: Can you talk a little bit about the first time you met Dimitri Young? Because every time we get on and we start talking wrestling, he always breaks out a cool rhino story, or he you know talks about how you're one of his favorite wrestlers. Which, by the way, you're also wouldn't mind. I wouldn't keep bugging you all the time. On uh, bottom broken. line is you're
3: my favorite wrestler of all time right now.
0: You're
1: welcome. And, and Thank you, man.
3: after the show as well. Hey,
1: Jason's known for saying that rhino all the time. No,
3: no, 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 no. no. Michael a, Best interview we have had ever. <laughs> Without a He's doubt. Like because a, you know what? The me, dude's me real. The he is man. real. I'm a front runner. Oh, without a really? doubt I'm a front runner. But, I mean, you're talking about <laughs> I'm a total front runner. runner oh, I'm a front he runner, too. As real. Tommy was real, too. But this dude is real, and I love it. Because uh, I'm used to seeing him as like, ah,
2: rude, ah. Yeah, And man. I tell you what, I love oh, it. I yeah, love hey,
1: it. That's what happened when I met him.
2: I was expecting to get gored. All right. Right? I we was actually down in Florida when we first met. Down at uh, Impact Wrestling, and uh, I'll never forget. This was, I think, in 2007, and uh, like I was blown away. You know, I'm like, wow, Dimitri Young, right? He knows who I am, and I'm always like that. Whenever some a baseball player or or an actor or something, uh, they'll come up to me, and you know, I'm like, wow, they know who I am, right? So, and then um, we had a, a mutual friend, Dave Bailey and he, uh, um, he introduced, I think he came up to me, and he's like, hey, Dimitri Young, uh, blah, 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 and I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I think you guys came together, and then uh, we just became friends out of there, and then every time Dimitri would stay in town, or or uh, whatever, we'd meet up, and we'd go out to Whitmore Lake, and there was, you know, that the food out there was great, and oh, yeah, so, Captain um, Joe's. yeah, yeah, and uh, it, was, it was a great time, and then, um, i actually said i uh um i would give you a, a, a singlet and uh one of my wrestling outfits and then dave goes dimitri wants to give you a game more in Jersey sign and i'm like get out of here i'm like do i have to give him any money for it he's like no no and then uh i remember that was like i think two thousand seven two thousand eight two thousand nine through that period that was
1: that then? was two thousand that was around two thousand ten because okay. i was coaching i was doing um coaching with the frontier league with the oakland county cruises
2: or okay. that was a mu that was a bad investment.
1: <laughs>
2: I made A few of those, but, uh, and then I remember it was in 2012 in Fort Lauderdale when WrestleMania was down there. And, uh, I, I'll never forget. You go like this. I stop by your house and you go, Hey, um, uh, I have this Willie Horton Jersey. It's too big for me. Do you want it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. Cause I, everybody puts it over that Jersey. And, uh, I always tell him. I go, yeah, Demetri Young gave it to me. I go, this was his personal jersey. They're like, get out of here. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I swear to you. So,
1: yeah, Willie Horton me. was my man in Detroit. Yeah. He took he took real good care of me from day one till well, actually, to this day, we still keep in contact as well. Now, is he still with the Tigers? Oh, he's gonna be there until what happened with Al Kaline. He's gonna be he's gonna right. be a lifer.
2: He's
3: not going anywhere.
2: Yeah, and and that's important. Like, you know, you see that now with uh, WWE, they have a lot of, uh, um, you know, they're they're very influential. You, the the athletes of yesterday that are still involved in the um, in the the, the 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 teams or the the promotions because one, they're they're already a household name, and people still love Willie Horton. I wear that jersey oh. out all the time. People are always like putting them over and. Um, you know, so the important thing is, and then they get to teach that next generation. And a lot of times you can teach the, the, um, the do's and don'ts on the field, off the field, um, and, and life experience in general. So that's very important when you have these guys. And when I went back to WWE full time, you know, just being in the locker room with a lot of those guys, um, was, was very important to them because a lot of them grew up watching me and they would come up and, you know, they were all fans of ECW. So, you know, it's like some of them would tell me and laugh and joke. They're like, I'm kind of disappointed that you're not coming in here throwing stuff around cussing at us and wanting to punch us in the face and gore us. <laughs> so, you know,
1: I'm listening to this, and Jason and I talk about this all the time about how you go from being a rookie and you had the veterans you look up to and you try and, and emulate them and things like that. And then when you become the veteran and all of a sudden it's like, now I'm kind of, you know, like you said, people are looking up to you, not seeing chairs. It's like you had that credibility where you're that locker room leader. And that's basically what I'm getting at is how does it feel to be that locker room leader? Cause I feel like when you went to impact, since they have a whole bunch of young talent there and you being who you are and, And I see you getting um, putting people over as well. You know how is it in the locker room with those young guys, with you and Tommy Dreamer and and Rob Van Dam, the veterans of the game, especially with Scott Demore and Don Callis taking over the helm?
2: Um, It's great because you know I'm 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 better with a a smaller, um, I, I I think a smaller audience as far as the locker room. You know, like in WWE, I would go and personally, you know, talk to people on the side. I wouldn't stand up on a chair and go, you know, be that head coach, you know. Um, but I would, I would point things out to, to, to guys and girls. Or if I see someone starting to, you know, go off the, the path, I would, you know, personally go talk to them. And they all knew they can come and talk to me. I wouldn't judge and I wouldn't stooge them off to the office. Because once you break that trust with the the, the guys, the girls in the locker room, you know you're never going to get it back. So, um, and I would help them, you know, like certain things you'd have to do. Go and wait and talk to Vince. Um, you know, if you're having problems, uh, you know, here or there, go and talk to this person or go talk to that person. This is what I would do. You figure it out. You know, if you need any more help, but like you've got to be the one to ultimately make that decision. With the impact, that it's a smaller locker room. You know, you're more in contact with everybody. Raw and SmackDown, you were in different locker rooms and different shows and all that. So it was a little more difficult to form that personal uh, relationship with everybody. But in Impact, you, you know, it's a lot easier. And, you know, the madman Fulton, he's got a lot of potential. And uh, there's a lot of things that I would work like to work with him around, you know, to, to smoothing out the edges. Because he's a little bit rough here and there. And, uh, you know, the only sad thing about Impact, they're not doing um, live events. So it's harder to work with guys in the ring. And that was one of the things uh, Triple H wanted me to come back um, and brought me back just so I could work with some of these guys in the ring that were around, you know, because I mean, I was in the ear of Ric Flair. I mean, I've been putting the figure, I've, I've had the figure four put on me by Ric Flair. So, I'll never forget.
0: <laughs> that. I'm awesome. in the
2: middle of the ring, marking out. Gone brick has got me in the figure four. <laughs> the coolest thing <laughs> in the world. I <laughs> bet. Oh man! Like, like my buddy literally called me up, and he's like, he didn't even wait till the next day. He's like, Rick put you in the figure four. And I'm like, I know. Isn't that cool? Isn't that
3: cool? That's so. That is actually so neat. But I mean, it's the resume. You have been there, done that. You have beaten yeah. the crap out of yourself and everybody else. But I will say this, just from playing the baseball thing, the resume counts for so much, and the younger kids, the next generation, they don't. They need somebody to kind of lead them. I, we were young and dumb at twenty-one, and and and, and I were in the big leagues, and you were wrestling somewhere, and and yeah, everybody's going to say dumb things, and everybody's going to do dumb things. But there's always if there is that one guy that can just kind of help out and. When you said, take them aside and do it, you know, one-on-one, that was the best thing that I ever did when, when I got to be an older player was take these kids like one-on-one because you don't want to embarrass them. You're not going to learn if you do it in front of, like you said, standing on a chair or something like that, but you want to take them. Hey, you know what? Do this, do that that way or whatever, or how, whatever it may be. But um, and I know Dimitri and I both filled that role for the teams we played on because we weren't on great winning teams um, in, in baseball, but, we were able to give back and that's what you have to do you have to give back and i was fortunate enough cuz my old man played in in the big leagues for a while and he taught me before i even you know it's it's definitely a um it's definitely an edge without a doubt but you always know to, you know you give back and and that's what Dimitri is still doing myself as well Dennis, I'm sure you're doing it somewhere as well. And I'm being dead serious when I say that. I mean, you always try to give back because that next generation is is so important. And, you know, good for you once again for doing that because they need it. They need it from someone who has been there and done that.
2: Right, right. And that's like, you know, the importance of like Al Kaline and Willie Horton. You know, it's important to have them around. Yep. And, you know, guys like uh, you guys, myself, it's, you know, and, we've made mistakes and we don't want to see other people make the same mistakes. You know, sometimes it's, you know, like I said, on the field or off the field. And, you know, as long as you learn and you can help them, it, you, you can, you know, my, my mission is to find the next rock, the next stone cold, the next John Cena, you know um, you know, the next Lita, and, and, and whatever I can do to help, you know, and I want nothing in return because, you know, the people before us paved the way you know, and then we're kind of paving the way to the next generation and then they're going to pave the way so we need to kind of help them out just to you know, whether it's whatever uh, sports or, or business it's in because you want to see it as you know, whether it's baseball that's doing really well or wrestling that's doing really well or football, you know everybody involved really uh, you know, it helps out everybody and it helps out the fans too because, you know, we're we're dealing with, you know, sometimes we take things for granted, you know, every April rolls around, you know, and baseball is always there, you know, football is always there. Wrestling's always there. And, you know, now we're learning that, you know, I was looking forward to going to opening day, you know, but, you know, now that we might take a step back and realize it's not always there. And boy, I created a lot of memories were created watching baseball, you know, watching the tigers when I was a kid with my parents in the 84 world world series. And then, you know, all these other, you know, seasons and playing as a kid, you know, so if you take baseball out of the equation, you know, my childhood wasn't that, you know, wasn't that great. You take, you know, wrestling out of the equation, my childhood was crap. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, we have to remember, you know, these things that we enjoy in life, we got to make sure we pass it on. And, and that families can create memories because I'll never forget. I was in Southern Indiana and this seven-year-old girl comes up with her father and I'm doing a signing before the show. And, and, uh, she starts rattling off stuff I did in ECW. And, you know, it was because of the network. The father knew they were coming to to watch me. So he, you know, he showed her a lot of my matches and stuff. And and here's the seven-year-old girl just putting over all my stuff. And I'm like, Wow, that's yeah. you know, like if you're going to a concert, you start listening to some of the music and all that stuff to, you know, you know, get yourself really going for the concert and stuff, or on your way there and, and they were doing the research and I was just so impressed and thrown back by it, you know. And uh and that was I think in two thousand and fourteen. But no, it was it was really cool because, you know, and that's another thing that I enjoy about wrestling and being able to wrestle so long is because it's a generational thing. And, you know, uh, especially with the network and YouTube and all the other sources where you can stream it to the fans. Um, but parents can watch their, uh, um, you know, take their kids to go watch me wrestle. And, you know, a lot of them watched me when I was in ECW. And now they have kids of their own and they're bringing their kids and they're, they're enjoying and they're, they're having a bond and I'm that bond. You know, so it's that's like, so cool. I, yeah, I get that a lot. So that's another reason why I try not to change my look so much because let's face it, when I was a kid, I didn't want Hulk Hogan to get older. You know, I didn't want Macho <laughs> Man to get older. My heroes. And, uh, you know, but we can't fight, you know, the aging process. So, um, that. yeah, so that's why I try to keep my outfit, and my look kind of similar. And, you know, it can be a double-edged sword because if you don't, uh, um, advance and and make changes you know it can hold you back but you know I like that connection because I want the 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 parents to go and watch me wrestle and see the the kids you know just light up when they get to you know see and they have that connection so
0: I have a million fanboy questions and I'm going to kind of pick and choose them as we go and sprinkle them in throughout uh, all the great nuggets here but the one I I really kind of on top of my mind right now is, and I ask this kind of tongue in cheek because I was a tna, TNA fan. I love PD as one of my best friends in the whole wide world. Bragger. Yeah, I know, right? Well, well come on! I would I'll trade you PD for Rhino. <laughs> no, wow, don't. Look,
1: at, look look how you just threw PD under the bus like he's You're second right.
0: rate. I will come on. Listen, you don't have a Canadian friend. I think it's time, Dimitri, that you diversify I, I, I your friends. Have,
3: I got Rhino. I, I, I'm
0: just going to take him from whoever has him. Listen, Rhino. Oh, by the Rhino end of this podcast,
3: me, you got
1: Dave, Chris. You can have him.
0: by, by the yeah. end of this podcast, Rhino is going to be my best friend. I'm going to trade you for him. I'm going to put together a package of people I know for for Rhino. But yeah, I have a whole team for Rhino.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I feel very loved here.
0: You, you, you should, but, you know, uh, you were in TNA during the kind of the rough years, as a polite way to put it, and now that they, they're kind of resurging the TNA name and impact, does that kind of give you a little, like, a wrestling PTSD? Do you shake it off? Is it kind of nothing to you? Or are you a little nostalgic and kind of excited for it?
2: Um, you know, I, I like the direction where it's going. You know they're 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 trying to get a little uh, a little edginess to them. Um, you know I enjoyed my time with them before. I I, I think the uh, Carter family, um, you know, really put their heart and soul into it. Were there a lot of mistakes made? Yeah, I'm sure. But who am I to judge? Um, you know, but every time every wrestler went out there, um, you know they went out there and they tried to hit a home run. Um, I didn't, I don't think anybody purposely tried to sabotage it. Um, you know, like it, any wrestling fan will agree, you know, sometimes we just sit back, scratch your head and, and go, what are they thinking? You know? So, um, there were some really difficult years after I had left. Um, you know, so, so a lot of guys and girls went through a, a rough time too, but, um, I was never their big money contract anyway. So, um, so it wasn't like I was just there absorbing money and, you know, giving my middle finger to everybody else in the locker room. Um, you know, we are all in it together. But uh, being there with Scott was one of the guys that trained me. And I like his direction and his ideas. I like Don Callis because I, I traveled with Don back in ECW. And uh, he's very smart for the business. I like Dreamer, his direction. Um, Dreamer has a lot to say. And Dreamer really helps out a lot of guys and girls. And he's definitely a leader. Uh, Van Dam is Van Dam, you know. Twenty-four-seven—that's <laughs> that's literally him. And I actually like his new character, you know, with the girls. Oh, awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think he—I think he got us kicked off of a uh, 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 YouTube or something yes. for one the- <laughs> yeah. that was a good—that was a good segment. Yeah, that was a real <laughs> good segment. And, uh, I guess they're really both his girlfriends. From what I hear, I don't... His I'm girlfriend and his
1: girlfriend's
2: girlfriend. Right, right. <laughs> Bless his heart.
3: Yeah, I live at large. It could, good for him.
2: Right, because that could work out, you know, bad, but <laughs> you know, one girl Dude. sometimes is difficult to deal with. You got oh. you know, You're pulling your hair off. <laughs> well, separate I,
3: separate rooms, I, I'm, I'm assuming.
2: Right, right. Hey, Rhino, I
1: wanted to get back to what what makes you so much of somebody that people look up to is when you got back on the main roster and you teamed up with Heath Slater yes. and wind up with – I mean, that was so entertaining. That was I
0: mean, new You money.
1: Were like two opposite ends of a magnet, and yeah. y'all wind up gelling together. It was like he wind up getting the best out of you, and you got the best out of them, and y'all – you know, wind up beating the Usos for the SmackDown tag team belts. I mean, that was a, an incredible
2: run. Just tell me a little bit about it, please. You know, it was funny how they put us together. I, I don't think there was any great plans, and uh, Vince wanted, uh, um, it, Vince seen Heath in a tag team, and I just came back, and they're like, okay, well, you know, and we started a little bit, you know, like, I I, I think I worked him or something, um, and then, you know, because he needed the job, and then Um, And then we just, one promo, uh, he was with Arn Anderson, which I love Arn. And uh, anyways, uh, you know, he asked Arn to be a tag team for the tag team tournament. And then I said I would do it. And then it just ended up working. Yeah, better. And I don't think they had any plans on, uh, you know, um, us even making it to the the finals. But people just loved it. And then we did this we did this thing in the trailer with his wife, Beulah and, uh, <laughs> like, and it was just so funny. And, uh, you know, and I'm making these cracker things and, and everybody started, I was, it was funny. It was right after that, you know, people started asking me where, you know, I was at the grocery store. It's like, we don't see any cheese and crackers in your basket. You know? no. <laughs> <laughs> crackers, what do you mean? I'm like, duh, the, the rest of <laughs> And that kind of came, uh, you know, it, it was it was like you said, uh, Dimitri, it was like, you know, total opposites, but they came to we came together and we matched. But the real entertaining part was when we started traveling together. Okay. Yeah, and Heath, Heath Slater <laughs> is funnier in person on the road than he is, you no. know. On hey, he's only- funny on tv yeah exactly oh, yeah we uh it was it was funny because we used to uh and we room together too and the funny thing about it is is uh you know like i have little quirks right i'm that guy that makes the bed even though i'm in a hotel room you know i'm that guy because i i always say start your day with discipline you will be more disciplined throughout the day so you know so anyways uh you know, and Slater's just like, why do you do these things? It's like, listen, I've been doing it for years. Don't try and change me. We're like a married couple.
3: That is and hilarious.
2: I'll never forget one time he uh he had to run into a store and we had just landed, we we're gonna go work out. He ran in, I think, to grab an energy drink or something. And I backed up and I'm I'm watching traffic and I'm timing this light. So right when he was getting in the car, he shuts the door, and I already had it in drive. I just gunned it and literally (laughs) (laughs) and he sliding all around. He didn't know what the heck was happening. (laughs) And the (laughs) room turned red, because I was making sure no cars were coming. And I literally hit the brakes. He goes forward. He got my foot stuck in the accelerator, right? (laughs) And he thought we were gonna hit the tree, but I I cut the wheel and It was oh my god it was funny as he just started Those laughing. are
3: the absolute little things that happen when yeah. you're doing something and like a, that you just like you want to tell somebody you want right. and you're like uh, we, we trust me Demetri and myself we get it I'm sure Dennis but there are so many dumb little stupid things that happen throughout that's Uh, why there's kangaroo court jason exactly
2: (laughs) oh exactly (laughs) that's exactly what it is yeah it's so funny you know here's another funny one right slater would never want to pull over to go to the bath right so you just grab a cup or a a, well usually a bottle right (laughs) (laughs) i don't think he would mind me telling this story so so he uh he has like a baby bladder, right? So like sometimes after the show, I would drive, and like he'll have a couple drinks, right? Nothing major. If we stop, and you know, he'll have a couple beers or whatever. So he's really gotta go, right? So, so anyways, uh, he he would always kind of like lean against the back seat with his back facing me, and then you know. And then sometimes I would speed up and then blow <laughs> up right next to it. What's that
3: is we know exactly what you're talking about?
2: Wow. I'm like, what, what? And then one time he leans up like that. And he's kind of like a board. He straightens out and he's pressing against the back seat with his shoulder. And all of a sudden I take my hand and I lean over and I put it under one of his butt cheeks. And I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I go what I'm trying to help you out and hold you up. And he's like, I can't see now. you like, so that dumb. is
3: classic.
2: <laughs> yeah. That is beautiful. Right, right. So it's, uh, it's funny because we traveled with some other guys like uh, um, uh, Henny uh, and then um, Joe Henny, and then they would always get on them. They're like, "Man, you pee a lot." It's <laughs> you know. I'm so not yeah. going to
3: lie. I have that. I have the Heath uh, Slater bladder. I, I oh, suffer
1: from baby bladderitis. Yeah, I yeah. have baby. <laughs> I, yes,
3: I a thousand percent do. So I know how he feels when you got to go. You got to go. And if someone's hurting, right. jerking that car back and forth, you know, that's not good. That is
0: not good. Wow. One
2: time, uh, uh, Ascension um, Connor from Ascension. You guys know who he is? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So. Him and Slater, we're, they were traveling, and they were going in to eat someplace. And uh, they they literally – he said something, and Connor was going to, you know, go to the bathroom in a bottle real quick, right? So he said <laughs> something, and he just started laughing, and all of a sudden it just started going. Oh. Like, <laughs> 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 I'm like, are you serious, He's like, oh, yeah, and I said Connor. Uh huh. Connor's like, yeah. So they had to go to the hotel and he showered and changed. I think they might have just went and grabbed something. classic. Oh, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <Wow>. yeah. Shane <laughs> really funny. He's a he's a good good dude and really funny, and he's very talented too. You yeah, know, yeah. is he doing all right
3: now? Because I know that you know the whole. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, um, he's doing great. He's doing a couple interviews. I'll pass on his number, but he's really funny to deal with. And no,
3: I'm just
0: talking about it as a person because I love it. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's yeah. a good idea. He should pass on the number. Well, no, I'm, I'm just... I, dude, uh, listen. I, Does I, he
1: really have kids? He got kids
2: for real? <laughs> yeah, he's got two. He doesn't have... Uh, <laughs> a, he has eight.
3: Nine. <laughs> right, 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 you see where this is at. Like... Dennis is going like, oh, yeah, put him on the show. Put Demetri and I are like, dude, we just want to hear some funny stories. You don't have to right, be on the right, show or right. not. We can care less. We're just right, hanging
2: right. out.
3: <laughs> Listening to you right now is like the coolest thing in the world. You know,
2: what's Cruise control. Is, you know, a lot of uh, like, um, you know, when guys are traveling on the road, we have a lot of the same stories, you know, a lot of the shenanigans and stuff. Mm-hmm. With each other, whether it's wrestling or baseball or, you know, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and it's really good because it, it is like a family. You know, and I'm sure yes. sometimes you get on each other's nerves, but at the end of the day, you guys love each other because it's a family. And the closer the family is, I think it, it and I've seen this in locker rooms, the closer the family um, is, the 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 better uh, you perform, I think. as A, a whole. thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, one
3: thousand been, percent. And, yeah. you know, you're always going to have the, the one or two or whatever, three people that, you know, all right. but when you cross, I'm just talking baseball, when you cross between lines, it's, all right, let's go to your family. That doesn't mean you have to go out with them here or there, or there, but there are some funny stories that I know for a fact that Dimitri and I could tell you as well, that just like you just told us, and I, it's just, it's very, very similar. And Dimitri actually said this the other day to um, Tommy, and he goes, it's amazing how very similar it sounds from the wrestling locker room to a major league baseball clubhouse, because it is very, very similar.
2: Right, right. And, uh, you know, and, and the cool thing about it is, is, um, you know, you see that in that, uh, like, the the smaller, you know, here's another thing. Um, guys like Dreamer, you mentioned Dreamer. Dreamer is one of those guys where I learned that going, pulling someone off to the side and talking to them. When I was in ECW, everybody went to Dreamer for guidance. You know, whether they, they missed a paycheck and something like that, they would always go... Dreamer was a go-to guy, and even in WWE, when he was in the office, you know, he would literally tell you exactly. He wouldn't sugarcoat anything. He would tell you in a nice way, but, you know, he would let you know exactly. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't try to steer you in the right direction. So you always knew where you stood, especially when it came from Dreamer. And uh, whether they were close with Dreamer or not, everybody knew Dreamer. And, you know, Seeing that when I just started, I'm like, okay, that's someone I want to be when I get the the experience and the knowledge and stuff like that, because I want that person that someone can trust to to come and talk to me, you know. And so th- that I have to definitely give credit to Dream So, so now,
1: I- speaking now, speaking of uh, influence and things like that, one of the most influential people in professional wrestling today is somebody that gave you your job. In ECW, and that being Paul Heyman, I remember him way back in AWA with ba- uh, with um, what was it? Bad Company. Who was he with? With um,
2: I think it Bad was. Company. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah,
1: with Pat Tanaka and Paul Downing. and then he had he came over yeah. to WCW and had the Dangerous Alliance, and then yeah, he went off to ECW. I mean, I'm very yeah. impressed. I like everything that he does. I'm like, I'm, I must be a Paul Heyman fan because I love everything that he does and what kind
2: of influence was he to you oh he was great i learned so much off of him and uh you know i'll never forget he hired me in detroit because they were doing a, a loop in michigan and we went to grand rapids i worked out in the ring he saw me work out and uh he liked um you know he liked what he saw then uh there were a lot of people working out in the ring before the show then lance and there were no workouts before the show and then in detroit i was the only one um myself, and there was another guy, I forget his name, that worked out. And Paul and Taz were sitting right there. And Paul goes, you know, he, he, he you know, after that, he, he calls me over. He's like, hey, how old are you? And I go, I'm 23. I just turned 23. And he goes, wow. He goes, how tall are you? I go, six foot. And Taz was right there, too. And Taz really put me over. And Paul goes, stick around. I want to talk to you after the show. So 3 o'clock in the morning, because after the show, they did promos. And then after that, he goes, hey, uh, you want to jump? And I'm like, yeah, I would love a job. And, uh, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, I didn't stick around till three o'clock in the morning just to yeah. say, <laughs> <get> <laughs> He goes, what's your wrestling name? I go, Terry Richards. He goes, ah, we already had a Richards. We'll come up with a different name. Right. And like I told you earlier, and then, uh, a few weeks later in Pittsburgh, I think six weeks later, they go, what's your name? I go, Rhino. They go, okay. The, the ring announcer. So, uh, anyways, um, So like, I remember like you watched Paul Heyman from the dangerous Alliance and all that stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wow, this guy's giving me a job. How great is that? Right. And then I watched the stuff he did in ECW and what I never knew is him and Jim Cornette had serious heat. Right. And they just hated each other. Um, You know, and I don't know what it stemmed from. I don't know if it was just creative difference, whatever, but a year prior to that, Cornette tried to help me get a job in WWE, you know, WWF back then. It was in 98. So Cornette really loved it. And when I had that, uh, the, when Paul was giving me the job at 3 o'clock in the morning after the show in Detroit, he goes, did you ever try to go to WCW or WWF? I go, yeah, Jim Cornette got me a dark match. They really liked it. Got me at, uh, um, a camp in WWF and nothing came of it, but he really likes me. And I'll never forget Paul Heyman looks away and he goes, huh, we agree on something. And then I found it. <laughs> you know, the conversation continued and all that stuff. And, you know, start date kind of w- was mentioned. And, and then I told Peewee, the referee, I go, yeah, when I said something about Burnett, and he really likes me and he thinks I'm so talented and he's pushing for me to get a job. Um, you know, Paul goes, yeah, you know what I just said. And he goes, yeah, they hate each other. I go, I never knew that, uh-huh. you know, but I'm glad that I was at one thing that, <laughs> that gave them a
3: connection. Get, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, two two guys, they still hate each other to this day. And it was funny. And, um, <laughs> we we're in, uh, Paul Heyman, myself and little, Guido. Uh, we were traveling in, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And Jim Cornette would run that town all the time with OVW. O- o- B- he was running that at the time. And, uh, uh, Paul Heyman goes like this. This was in 2003. He goes, yeah, Cornette can't even uh, sell out Louisville. He's like, oh, he's terrible or Ooh. something like that. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, wow, you guys, you guys still have me. <laughs> you know, so, but anyway. That's, that's
3: beautiful. Yeah. Hey, um, my, this is be my last question, but you're from Detroit, born and raised. Was it a rush or did it get annoying? Probably the, the first time you came back to Detroit and wrestled. Was it a, like, uh, did you try, like, because I know that I when I, I'm i from Los Angeles, or, and so when I went back to play against the Dodgers the first time, it was, you know, leaving tickets for everybody, this and that. And I guess the other one is, is you just, you're talking about going to the grocery store, just being a regular, you know, person, and people recognize any of this and that. And I'm assuming you get recognized a lot because yeah. you're from there, you are who you are. But uh, when you went back the first time to Detroit and wrestled, was nerves, no nerves? Was it cool?
2: Um, it, was, it was fun. To, you know, I, I, I was able to work in the Joe Lewis Arena. And, yeah, like you said, a lot of people were asking for uh, tickets and stuff. And I, I would always try to accommodate, um, you know, the people that really couldn't, uh, you know, friends or families or, or, or people that I would know that money was a little tight. So I'd always try to accommodate them first. Uh, you know, I have a small family, so, you know, it was never difficult to, you know, just get a few for them. Um, you know, they, They've watched me wrestle, they're always supportive. So it's not like, oh, we don't want to go because we don't like it. You know, it was always like, hey, you know, give the tickets to someone that could really use it so they can create memories as a fan. Because growing up as a kid, you know, I, I understood what it was like to, you know, pinch every, you know, um, pinch every cent you could, you know. Get the most out of every dollar. So you know, I, I try. I would always try to accommodate those. And then you know, uh, um friends that would just want to get high and then go to the restaurant. You know, <laughs> I would know, have the, you know, that that still, you know, they're just like there for the beer, the <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. You know, so. because
3: they, they they know you're gonna be hanging out with them out afterwards anyhow, and they can talk to you right, about
2: it. Right, right. So they just so getting, you're getting ready. ready. Oh. Yeah, and you know, so you know, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was never, um, it was a little rough, you know, because of the, the amount, but it was always good to, you know, mm-hmm. um, when they would hit me up, you know, and say, Wow, my daughter had a blast, my son had a blast, thank you so much, because they created, because that, that's a memory they'll so, uh remember for a lifetime, you okay. know, I remember, yeah, so so it, that's really cool, you know, and and WWF was always in WWE, they're always, um, good at uh, getting me the tickets that I needed, you know? So, but, uh, you know, I would always do, uh, PR stuff here in town and stuff, and you know, and, and it, you know, it, it always helped them out and it helped me out too. So,
3: Wait, Here's a dumb little stupid question because when Dimitri and I first started playing, you get six tickets. Now you have, you get taxed and everything for them, but you get six tickets. So what most people would do would, would you would, you would, you know, Hey, I'll give you, say somebody who's from New York. I'll give you mine in New York you give me yours in LA or whatever it was, how was, how do you get like a certain amount of tickets or?
2: Usually, usually the four per talent. Um, but gotcha. you see, WWE, um, one thing, you know, a lot of people don't, uh, understand is like, um, whether it's events, um, Linda, they're very charitable with their personal money and they always make people, um, you know, like, uh, for example, um, Places like uh, Make-A-Wish, uh, organizations like that, they always make it accessible for, for people to come back, even if it's not a, um, a wish. They, they, they get them back there. you know. They, they, um, they get wrestlers to go over there and interact and meet with them and take pictures. And getting back, uh, like John Cena, he, I mean, what a great guy. And you know, talking about that family, on SmackDown, he would do live events, and he was always at that monitor. Monitor from the first match to the last match. And usually it was up last okay. and he would always come over and he would always make suggestions to people. And, you know, he, I mean, he could have sat out and, you know, his bus and you know, just, you know, did nothing, but he was always there. And, uh, he was very, uh, he was very cool, you know, with everybody, you know, so, and he was very helpful and he would laugh and joke, and, you know, and he always liked, he, he likes being part of the, the the team and, you know, one of the guys, you know, so he, he's actually really fun so um but yeah so um it was i, I kind of got off track there a little bit no but yeah I,
3: I, I that's trust me i get off track every time dimitri and he talks Dennis every
0: time stuff. he talks he gets off track I, I, without a
3: doubt i mean it's the ad you know? stuff but that's okay because when you get off track that's the, when the best stories come out
2: right right oh but your initial thing but yeah usually it's four tickets but they they would uh you know they they give away a lot of tickets just you know a lot of towns you go to and and stuff like that even when business is good they always would give a a lot of tickets to you know to groups um you know like now they would give tickets to nurses or when we went through the blackout um phase in 2004 when we had that power outage yeah i remember that Uh, you know it's funny i was doing a charity charity golf thing right and the one guy goes like this i'm I'm golfing with a bunch of guys from the casino, right? So they go, just swing it, look the other way, we'll run down there, we'll throw the ball past the farthest drive, and we'll put your name down, right? And it went,
1: literally,
2: yes. right when we did that, I mean, I didn't even hit it 20 feet. Right when I did it, it was for bragging rights. It, he threw it down there, and we see all these carts coming around, and people are walking, and we're like, were they sitting in the bushes watching us, right? That is classic. That was, yeah, that was like, Uh, the second to last hole, and then we go to the clubhouse, and then they were telling us the power was out. We're like, oh, okay, because we're starting to worry a little bit Like they're going to kick us out of this charity thing. So, um, you know, uh, DTE, they worked really hard to get the power on and stuff, and I remember I did a a, a thing right before the show we did, and uh, um, you know, we gave a lot of tickets out to the people that worked at DTE, you know, for them and their families and all that stuff, because they worked around the clock, and you know, stuff like that, I remember uh, WWE always, uh, you know, giving uh, tickets out to and pulling tickets off to the side to help out, you know, people like that. So, so
0: cool. I know yeah. I, I have two questions I want to get to before you go, and I don't know how much longer we have you. You're welcome to stay as long as possible, and I know Dmitri's chopping at the bit, but... You know, when you get on, you and I get recognized a lot for each other. I, I look at us. We're two cats that look exactly the same, right? I mean good looking. We have right. so much in common. But the one right. thing we truly have in common is <laughs> What what's so funny, guys? What?
1: What? Oh yeah, I mean, no wonder you wear glasses.
0: I mean, I mean, we got the facial here. We're both buff. I mean, come on. We're both buff. The only yeah. reason, Demetrius, I
3: have Dennis is because we don't know how to work a computer. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. We love him.
0: but that's much- he, Anyways, but the one thing we truly do have in common is we're both podcasters. And I, once again, I'm always enthralled when I talk to whether it be a baseball player, football player, or a wrestler who goes from one side of the aisle over to the other. Did you find, A, the transition a little bit difficult, and B, did, you know, and I guess I asked Tommy this, was, you know, wrestling podcasters, wrestling journalists don't really have a good name in the industry. So when you cross over and then all of a sudden now you're developing content, and do you tell this story? Don't you? Well, am I going to have heat? Uh, can I texas guy to get him on my podcast did you start to understand more on um, what the podcasters had to go through
2: um what you cut out a little bit what was the initial question um is the transition from wrestling to doing podcast yes okay um you, No. usually a lot of people um you try to avoid people that'll try to get you on the the, the gotcha questions or um and i, I haven't ran into that Um, or, you know, the, the shock jocks type deal, um, you know, and it's, um, you know, a lot of times people, you know, like the, um, not controversy, but, um, they like throw dirt on some people. I never really paid attention to dirt or gossip, you know? Um, so, you know, you, you hear rumors and stuff and, and, uh, you know, but, um, you know, guys like that, uh, they, they don't last long because nobody will want to do interviews. You know, so as long as telling our stories and you know, like he Slater wouldn't get upset about telling those stories because really we didn't blender. cause a lot of problems, you know. Um, and and there's certain things I did, you know, um, that you know, like uh, going to strip clubs when I should have probably stayed at home. But you know, no way, Come on. what are
3: you talking about? That is, you
1: must, so must have walked in with some glitter on.
2: Right, I think two thousand and four was was like that whole year I was in a strip club. I don't think I seen the light of day that was the landing strip out uh by the airport.
3: Never heard of it. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah, don't no. know what you're talking about at all.
0: They,
2: they, they were big fans of yours because on a booth they had your name there. Dimitri.
0: No, did they really? <laughs> oh, my God. I might have sat in the, the, the Dimitri Young booth. Oh
2: my God. <laughs> you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy. crazy with my, my ex-wife, she's from Germany, right? And over there, you know, a strip club is kind of like, you know, a, a Denny's to them you know so uh, same cared.
3: here <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or used, used to be
2: <laughs> right, right. well she never cared that you know because she knew I didn't get dances and, and my buddy ran the place and um, the owner loved me so he would never charge me for any food or anything so my wife was so cheap with money she would rather me go there and eat and talk to my buddy and hang out drink <laughs> for free I'd have to tip the waitress than to go to a place where I'd have to pay for the food right so, and then she came in with me one time and she's like, oh, I don't feel comfortable because these women look like I'm trying to steal their, uh, like my ex-wife wasn't a dancer or anything, but you know, that women competition type deal. Right. So anyway, she goes, you can go. And I'm like, wow, you're a great wife. And you know, like I said, it's my ex-wife. I don't know how I screwed that one up. But
0: <laughs> We've all oh, been there. God, hey, We've all me, been there. Stuff like but that you already happens.
1: mentioned how that may have happened.
3: it happens like that it does i mean you're talking to three
0: that have all of us yes at least two twice for some of us i look Uh i'm gonna knock my last question out dimitri and then he's all yours you can you can reminisce until the cows come home. oh
1: no i only only have one one more question And, and and it was the one that you stole last week and I'm going to take it now.
3: Okay, now can, 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 I, can I give a, a timeout? Not a timeout, but um, I just spilt something all over my computer and I'm getting ready to blow up. <laughs> and, I mean, you can keep this on. So uh, if I leave Rhino, I apologize for like five seconds. I got to clean this up because there's a noise in my ear right yeah. now and it's boom. Well, so I'm not doing I don't want to be disrespectful because I'm so I'm like right just, but I'm getting ready to blow up.
2: All right,
1: okay. all right get I'll
0: the my, So, so. Uh, Alright,
1: no, no. I'm not no, going to steal I'm your gonna, question. I'm,
0: it is not your no. question.
1: I'm going to ask this because I want you to be the last one so you can segue into part, you know, the second phase of our, our
0: interview. The strip stuff. club stuff, right?
1: No no, 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 I don't go there. I've never been. <laughs> Alright, mine is all about what's going on right now with Impact Wrestling, with Moose bringing back the TNA World Heavyweight belt, and you being in the Number one contenders um, tournament. Are, are, are you, are you, what, what, what's going on with the T? Are they trying to make that like a dual belt, like how WWE has the SmackDown and Raw? Because I, I'm kind of digging what's going on there. How you have two sides, you have the TNA, and we know how that history is, is up and down and impact with Don Callis and Scott DeMore bringing it back to. You know, it's, a, it's very enjoyable. I love watching on Tuesday night, especially with an empty arena. So, where's the TNA World Championship tie-in?
2: Well, I, I think uh, I think it's definitely interesting. I don't know exactly where or what um, uh, how it will play out, but I think um, um, you know I, actually one of the one of the joys that I've had uh, mm-hmm. since I've been back with Impact is working with Moose. Um, he's so talented. And his outfits, I'm just amazed. Yeah. yeah, I just got a, um, awesome. I just got a thing. I have five percent left on my uh, um, battery left. Um, but if I cut out, so you guys know, um, I think it's definitely interesting how he how he brought that back and how you know he. I like the look of that title. I always have. Um, I think it's very interesting. Um, I think Moose is very talented. Um, I enjoy wrestling with him because he brings the best out of it, you know, no matter who you are. And he's got great ideas, you know, and that's one of the things I really like. And and it's not all about him. It's about the match and it's about what the people, you know, um, would would enjoy the most. So, um, yeah, the first time I worked with him, it was for Dreamer. It was a of hardcore show in Ontario and it was great. So, and then when I was able, when we were talking about coming back to impact, and I knew Moose was going to be there for, you know, quite some time. I'm like, yeah, definitely. Cause you hate to go to a place and want to work with someone and they're gone <laughs> two months later and you're like, wow, we could have worked six, eight months program and, you know, they're finishing up as you're getting in. So.
0: All right. Now I, I've got to get this before you end up disappearing into the internet yeah. abyss. I I am an old-school wrestling fan, NWA, WCW. Even during the Attitude Era, I loved WCW over WWE, WWF. Some of my favorite storylines are some of the storylines that get pooped on the most in history. I love the Black Scorpion storyline. Still do. I don't care how cheesy people think it is. And even the invasion angle... WCW, uh, ECW versus, you know, WWE was still one of my favorites. And look, I knew that, you know, the Alliance had no chance of, of winning it, but it still kind of broke my heart. But as a wrestler who, you know, you were so closely tied to ECW. And look, we we know that it, it's a story. We, we all get it. But was there still a little part of you that just, just kind of – I had a broken heart when you kind of saw your Alliance, even in that storyline versus WWE kind of get beat. And I know that's a cheesy question, but it's a question I felt like I've always wanted to ask you.
2: No, um, no, it's actually a really good question. Cause a lot of, uh, a lot of people watching at that time thought uh, there were more, uh, it had more legs um, and they didn't, uh, they didn't do the Alliance angle to its full potential. Uh, you know, so that's a great uh, question. I, I agree. I think it had uh, more legs to it, but it, they kind of just dissolved it you know, within under a year. Um, I liked how they moved to the NWO. Uh, I think it was in February of 2000 they came back. Um, that was really cool with Hogan, Nash, and Scott Hall. Um, and that kind of dissolved pretty quick. They didn't get the full potential out of that. So the, that's two really good angles that they could have drawn out a little bit more, especially – they didn't have really uh, any um, competition, so you know you always look back the should have, could have, would have. But at the end of the day, you know that little moment in time was pretty special. Me personally, um, you know, I was just getting cooking and I was just in, you know happy to be
0: in the mix. So I, I still loved it. I you know it, oh, it, it as crazy as it is that people pan it. If you really go back, a lot of that stuff a still holds up, and at least in my opinion, maybe I look at it through rose colored glasses or through my fandom. I still think that even in the middle of this angle, they still made everybody look good. Everybody had great storylines. It seemed fun and it flowed. It didn't feel clunky even going back now watching it.
2: Right. Right. And, and, and that's the thing. Um, I think nowadays they're missing out on, uh, letting the men and women go out there and perform and, and let the match tell the story. I think there's too much talk. And one of the, the, one of the things that I like is, with Impact is, um, you know, now there's a little bit more talking because there's only so much you can do with, without a crowd in the ring. But um, you got to have that right mixture. And you got to have an edge to the product because a lot of people love the NWO. They love the, the Attitude Air. They love the ECW. Um, they, they i think you can kind of still do it but make it appropriate in today's uh, uh, market because a lot of things are you know um i think you could get away with a lot more stuff in the 90s than you could today um, you know so uh, so with that being said i think if you take something old you can make it new again so and that's what uh that's the vibe in the field I get with impact
0: it- And my last question, and once again, I don't know, in my mind it makes sense, but once again, I'm I'm still just a fan at the end of the day. Do you feel like if, let's say hypothetical, they decide to do a TNA angle, but it wasn't, you know, a TNA, almost like an NWO kind of group, would a Rhino fit in good, especially with his name so closely tied to a ECW? Would that still fit? Like, could Rhino be ECW? and TNA kind of guy, or do you think you'd almost have to be excluded because you're so tied to ECW that you wouldn't fit into a TNA, even though you are a he can TNA fit alum. In anywhere. He could fit in anywhere. We already know that about him. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Well, I think, uh, um, I yeah, I think I'd be accepted uh, as far as fitting in um, by the fans. Uh, you know, the, the only thing is, is, um, I wouldn't mind turning heel if it's good for the business. But then again, um, you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things where whatever is best for the business and the longevity, but also you don't want to, um, you know, there's a couple independent shows I did where they wanted me to work as a heel and I tried to get over as a heel. Like I would heel on them and stuff and, and the fans would just go quiet because they want to cheer me, but I just healed on them. So they kind of, but they don't want to boom. You know, it's kind of like your grandma grounds you, but you still love your grandma and can't boo her. <laughs> you know, right. you're right. That's the best. You, throw your hands up and you go. what do I do? Well, I guess, I'll just sit here. So it's just like it's kind of swimming upstream. So, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where um, I think I'm better as a baby face, uh, a very, very aggressive baby face. Like we were talking about Dick the Bruiser earlier and how society's changing, not myself and you know, I'm that ECW guy, but they cheer me because they've changed, you know, not me. You know, you could probably get away with something like that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where people just they, they can identify. And they, I've met so many people over the years where they have a personal connection, you know, whether it's just, uh, you know, talking to me at the supermarket for five minutes um, or just passing each other at the you know gas station, you know, and getting a quick picture. So it's it's one of those things where you have that personal connection. And, and there's and, two you know, ways
3: to look at that. Like either you're outdating yourself, which you're old. I mean, me and Demetri both wow, got. Wow, he you. just called you old. Or, but Gorham, at, the time, yeah, yeah. at the same time, is that's how successful you've been. You've been around that long to where. So I mean, yeah, okay, you know what? Yeah, you are older, but you're still a badass. But you put in your time, which is yeah. really cool to me. So
2: and that's what another, a lot of people like too. So I I don't know, you know, you you look back when Hogan uh, did the NWO, you know, that, that really worked, you know? So I think if I did turn heel, it would have to be on a a large scale, you know? Um, But like I said, it's all for the better of the business, you know? Um, And that's
0: the main thing. And as we wrap up the show, unless anybody has another wrestling question, we like to play a game at the end of the show where, You and I are, at the end of the day, we're baseball fans, and we Mm -hmm. do a podcast with two baseball players. So we like to play a game with our guests where you throw out a couple names that you may want to hear a funny story about. I don't know if you have any off the top of your head. I can throw one or two out while you think. But we become fans of theirs at the end of the show and kind of turn the tables on them and interview them. So if you have a baseball question, think about it. And <clears> I'll start it off to, you know, kill some time for you while you think because, A, we just threw this on you. So surprise. Right. Uh, the, I know, right? I, I The look on his face, if the people at home could see this since it's audio only. But uh, Demetri Young, how about Eric Munson?
1: Ooh. What a, what, a, what, a, what a great guy that guy is, you know. He, he was real quiet. He's He was the kind of guy that if people would come to the room after the game and hang out and whatnot, talk about the game, get ready to go out or whatever, he'll be in there, but you wouldn't know that he was in there. He was just real quiet. And what he's doing in uh <clears throat> Dubai, Iowa right now, he's running his own gold standard um, baseball academy out there, and, and he's teaching the, the youth how to – you know, become better ball players, and hopefully they go to college and get an education, or you know, become a big league ball player. But um, I, I really love that guy, and um, yeah, still still talk to her from time to time.
0: Mm, so that's kind of how we play. If you, I, I could throw out a couple more if you want to think of some. No,
2: no, I've I, I just got I've just got one. Your brother. Dimitri, <laughs> oh, gentlemen. Hey, yeah. I grew up with two older brothers, and there was a lot of fist fights. There's a lot of dirt right there.
1: <laughs> oh well, he was he was real fun loving, and then our mom passed away in 2009, and then after that, he became a grade A asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I no, love I him though, be- but, but
3: even even. Listen, I, I know both Dimitri an and, and but I will say this. That asshole in him was why he was so successful. You had that asshole in you too. Now I don't know what your relationship is, but I was definitely the asshole. But it made you Delman and myself. What we how that's why we stayed around for so long because you have to have that in that three hour period where you play the game. I don't know what your relationship is, but Delman was a uh, you know just from you know obviously I'm a little bit older than him, but I did. Uh, uh, Catch against Jason, him. You're
1: You're closer to my age than his. There's a twelve year <laughs> well, age difference
2: wanted, between us two. I wanted to I mean, know. And was that was means. Then I, I lost. He was
0: good too. <laughs> what was that? Right now,
2: I just wanted to know if there was uh, any fight at the dinner table for that last uh, helping of food. No, no. Well, the,
1: <laughs> it was a twelve year age difference. So oh, when, okay. I was, it, when I was in high school and stuff, when I was seventeen, he was five. So oh, okay. I, yeah. So I was, I was steal food off his plate, but I would always have him around me when I was in the big leagues and stuff. He'll come to the locker room. He'll be the player. in then Bob Boone in 2001, when he was a sophomore in high school, let him take batting practice at Dodger stadium during regular BP. So there were fans in the stadium and he had three out and people were asking for his autograph.
3: But uh, well, <laughs> Rhino, I will say this one thing about Dimitri and he's, he's humble like you are, um, and I, I like all of us are. Um, I just talk too much, but I will say this the one thing about Dimitri is when he played, and obviously I knew him because we played in the same division for a long time and um, might have had a beer or two somewhere. I don't know.
1: Something you know. <laughs> but
3: that, that all being said, is if I had to, I'll guarantee you, if Delman and Dimitri were, were fighting for that last uh, uh. What's what? What was the, the chicken wing chicken place leg. behind your whatever. Oh, Wingstop. Wingstop. If they're if they're battling for that one, that last one, Dimitri wins. Dimitri, Dimitri had a presence. He had a presence about him the second he stepped into the box. That is like I got gotcha. you. By box, and you mean and, restaurant? Dell Dell dumbman did too, but Dimitri was like his demeanor was more. Delman would be like, "Hey Jay, what's up?" Then I'd be like. I'm saying hi because you're Dimitri's brother. <laughs> and that was it. So, but Dimitri had that presence
0: about him; like, you don't want to mess with him. So,
3: yeah.
0: I'll, I, I've got one more. Na- I got one name, and then where I know you can finish it up with your next one. Both you guys know this guy really well. How about Jim Leland, who you both have played for?
2: Right. I'll
0: uh, let like Jason go first. Know, my first manager. My first manager ever.
3: Uh, loved him. Still love the guy. Still talk to him. But I will say this after 90, my first year was 96. He went on to Florida and, you know, obviously they had the money. They wouldn't buy, I didn't say buy the world series. Cause you still have to get the, they had the, the bigger market players and they won and congratulations to them. But uh, for whatever reason, I always left a, a sour taste in my mouth because we had a $9 million payroll the next year. That being said is, uh, Always respected him. He he is one of the – he'll go in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be – he should be first, whatever. I don't know when his five years are up, but Tony La Russa, But Jim Leland, is, he's he's as good as they get. But I always had this little bitter taste in my mouth. But at the same time, I don't know what Demetrius going to say. I was 21. I just put my head in my locker and I shut up. So I love the guy. D, I don't know what, you, what your take is on him.
1: You know what, 2006 was the worst year of my life, but at the same time, you know, I got to be around the best manager I had. Even though I screwed it up for myself, what happened with him was when he came in, day one, he commanded respect. He came in, commanded respect, and on top of that, he went and talked to every single person, talked to everybody. Hey, how you doing? Wanted to get to know you and everything. And so when you have a manager like that, you, you want to go run through a wall. You want to do these things. That's why there was a quick turnaround with that Tiger team. Even though I wasn't there to the end, but I saw from 2003 when we was booty, 43 and 119, and then we slowly started getting the pieces there. Things started turning around, and by the time he got there, it was almost like the Joe Torre effect. Okay, well, that, that, that when wolf, he got wolf, to New okay,
3: York—that's just
1: this this is is why I love that this game right now. When he, got, when, when he got to New York, basically, when he got to New York, he already had a built team that was there. There was a couple of added pieces to that '06 team with Kenny Rogers, uh, Justin Verlander, Joel Zumaya, Curtis Gray. You had guys that were stepping up. So when that happened. And that was due to Jim Leland. Not only and taking nothing away from Alan Trammell, Alan Trammell was awesome. To me, awesome, but but he was a Hall of Fame baseball player. Managing, managing is a whole different ball game. Jim Leland, he was born to manage, and what he did, he turned that around, and they wound up having success up until the time he left.
3: Well, okay, I, I do have to say the story to Rhino. I don't care if you care or not, but you can tell somebody. <laughs> that that- not that, it, not that it means anything, but so the last time I saw, uh, and I ca- I still call him Skip, um, was the World Series. Uh, he was working for Joe Torrey, who I can't stand and he can't stand me. He's types of the point, uh, kind of, but um, so I <laughs> saw him and he goes, hey, 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 Jace, how you doing? That's how he talks. Hey, how you doing, Jace? You doing all right today? And uh, I'm like, hey Skip, I go, what are you doing hanging around that clown? I go, oh, oh Jason, why is he going to shut the fuck up? Oh, just shut, up, man. Shut up. I go, no, seriously, what, he give you a gig. You you should be, if that's what you want to do, you should be his job. That guy's a clown. Hey uh, Jason, uh, uh, shut up, just shut up right now, okay? All right, Skip, good to see you, man. Have a good one. That was our conversation. This last time I talked to him, but I mean, what a, what a great guy. Don't get me wrong, what a great guy. Like I said, the bitter taste in my mouth was because he left. The Pirates in 97, and <laughs> we were awful. Well, actually, that, that was the year we were good, but it was nine million dollar payroll. He went to 150 million dollar payroll and won yeah. for him.
2: Yeah. Hey, now, one I'm more thing with Jim Leland, real quick.
1: Um, go to YouTube whenever you get a chance.
2: The funniest uh-huh.
1: thing that i ever seen on a baseball field, we're in New York playing the Yankees, and you know how in the seventh thing they play God Bless America or whatever. There must have been a bad call or whatever. Jim Leland was going at it with the home plate umpire and then god bless america started and they bow for were
2: standing that attention and then I'll, I'll, I'll
1: just let you watch it on youtube it is okay hilarious.
2: i'll look it up i'll never forget uh um uh, jim leland went out and he was arguing with the uh because i had season tickets and this was probably in 2008 or 2009 probably 2008 um the girl i was dating she uh she had went to the bathroom and she left her purse, right? She goes, "Can you watch it for me, right?" So I go, "Yeah, sure," you know. And you always have that worry about someone just grabbing it and walking off when you're not paying attention. So I'm sitting there. I go, well, "I'll just put the, the the arm handle around my uh, around my forearm," right? So all of a sudden, Leland goes out. There was, you know, she was gone for a couple minutes at this point, and there was a bad call. So Leland comes out, and uh, actually, it was a first base umpire, and I was right behind first base. And everybody starts standing up, and I stand up, and I've got this purse around. Right? Stop <laughs> <laughs> realizing it, right? And everybody's sitting down, and I'm still standing up. You know, I'm jazzed because Leland's out there, aren't you? And uh, the guy in front of me, he was a season ticket holder. He goes, "Wow, that purse really brings out your eyes." And I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah. wow!" Like, I should sit down, right? So, yeah, like, he, Beautiful. He got me to stand up and and and. And, you know, get behind them while holding the first. So, but yeah, I actually wanted to bring up Alan Trammell and uh, thoughts on Alan Trammell and uh, uh, Eckstein.
0: Ooh, good one. David
2: Eckstein? Uh, uh, Yeah.
1: Alan Trammell, you know, he was, and and I'm going to take a quote from Jamie Walker. Alan Trammell is like the nicest guy. Like if you was to leave your house, and go on vacation, he'll check your mail for you, he'll mow the grass, he'll he'll make sure there's no spider webs on the windows and stuff. That's how nice he is. And then on the flip side, you had the, the true asshole and, and Kirk Gibson. He was the yin to his yang and stuff. Oh. And 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 they, they worked well together. And then you had Big Will, you had big old Lance Parrish, who used to hit extreme fungal, hit the hardest fungal on God's green earth. Actually took me out of a game one time. But you had that that nostalgia with the eighty fourteen. The only thing I was really missing was Sweet Lou Whitaker. He should have been right. on that staff as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Alan yeah. Trammell was absolutely
2: awesome. Yeah, Whitaker was one of my favorites too. Growing up as a kid, I remember at Farmer Jack's, they would have uh, that was a grocery store, and uh, I don't know how far they went. I think it was just in the Midwest, but they would have the cards where you could collect, and every time we go grocery shopping. We'd get them, and uh, they would give it to us for free because I think they were a sponsor of the Tigers. And boy, I collected all of them. Yeah, that was a that was uh, you
3: know it's funny you say that because P- Pittsburgh, Detroit, obviously not too far away. Right. I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Right, right, exactly. yeah, so that was that was cool. So yeah, um, uh, I heard Pittsburgh has the best stadium in all of Major League Baseball. So, they used um, to, think- and then they imploded it. <laughs> no, three
3: Stadium, that's where i when i broke in that's where i was playing but pnc ballpark um and we had a we had a little live thing last night and people to some fans asked those questions and the thing that they, they said was and i can't remember correct me if i'm wrong dennis and, and dimitri but it's like if all the home ballparks you played in and you could combine them what would it be and my first thing was pnc ballparks uh um which is where the pirates play now uh their skyline it is the most gorgeous mm-hmm. thing. But this being said, it's one of the reasons I started wearing a visor on my mask when I caught because you couldn't see the ball because the 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 skyline is so gorgeous. But there's the sun when it's going down, it's deflected right into my eyes. So I always Ooh. had a visor on my mask. And these guys are throwing ninety five, ninety six, and I'm trying to catch them. And, you know, it's like geez. But the most gorgeous ballpark, I believe, maybe it's because I. Was there when it opened up? Actually, Dimitri was there when it opened up too. We were the we, we both opened yep. up. Um, he was with the Reds and I was with the Pirates, and uh, it's gorgeous, absolutely drop dead gorgeous. But those it's buildings, beautiful. I tell you what, that reflection about six, o'clock, well, well the game starts at seven o'clock. I'm telling you what, about 7.45, there is a straight glare from those buildings right into the catcher's eyes, and it's probably why I had so many pass balls. At least, all
1: you know, what that's. That's funny that you say that because in Detroit during the summer, they used to water that doggone ivy out there in center Mm -hmm. field, and then you'll get the sun reflected on there. During the summer, like the first five, six innings will be an hour. Eight o'clock, we're in the sixth inning. It's like a one-nothing ball game, three hits combined with both teams. And then once that sun goes down and that glare –
3: Leaves the Ivy,
2: oh man, it was just like an ass whooping begin. Mm-hmm. So true. So what are you guys' thoughts on David Eckstein? He,
1: you know what? He was the little engine that could, you know, he was he was like that hard worker that was undrafted, undersized, but you know, his work rate and, and his will to win is like through the roof. And and I didn't play I didn't play with him. But you know, you can't help but to pull for somebody, even if you're on the other team and you're like, man, I hate this guy. But when you go over there and speak to him, you, you respect him because of the way that he approaches the game and being undersized. And you shouldn't be here, but you're, you're, the, you're MVP because of the way that you work. Right, right. So that's what right, I, I mean, like about my, him.
3: my opinion, and I'm a pretty straightforward guy, I didn't care less about the guy, don't know him very well, played against him. I mean, he had a lot of success. He did a lot of great things. He was MVP of the World Series, won a World Series. But I don't really know him, but I I, I know that. Yeah, yeah. No, um,
2: I had met him. Uh, actually, he would come down for uh, Impact when we were doing tapings down there. See, now I, I like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, he gave me a back, too. And he uh, introduced me to Jim Leland. Which I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. So <laughs> what was
3: he like, hey, Brandon, what the fuck, man? Why,
0: why are you so big and shit? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: hey, one more
1: thing with Jim Leland, real quick. When we were playing in, the, in um, against Minnesota, we will play against the Twins, and then in the Metrodome. Right before the game, they'll go. There's no smoking in the Metrodome. Yeah. Meanwhile, he has a heater. He go bullshit.
3: <laughs> okay, so <laughs> my my rookie year, a week into the season, he's on the bench and Three River Stadium. It's the the level from from looking at the it's you're jeez you're ten yards away, and Danny Darwin. I'm 21. Danny Darwin, who was 41 or 42 at the time, and he goes, hey, and I go over and he's like, go talk to him, and I'm like. I ain't, no because he was wanted to uh, to get a reliever up in the bullpen, and I go, and he look and he goes, <laughs>
0: big
3: old thing of smoke. I mean, <laughs> you better go talk to him now. With and that's being kind of very nice without using foul language, and I walk out, Danny and I'm like, um, hey, uh, what's up? And Danny Darn was like, you get your. Ass back there, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I got Leland throwing smoke. I mean, I'm 21 years old. I'm a rookie throwing smoke at me. <laughs> Danny Darwin, who's a big old Texan bull rider dude or whatever. And I'm going, oh boy, this is this what I'm gonna. This is what I gotta look forward to. but I'll never go. And he held his cigarette like in in the palm of his hands, like right in his stump. Yeah. And he'd go, "You get it." I'm. He can hide
0: that cigarette with the best of them. Oh, good, could, goodie. Could uh, all right. We, we could keep this thing going forever, Rhino. Let's uh, promote everything you have going on. Of course, we have Impact Wrestling, your podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Where they can find it, your social media, and all that other jazz. Because we're about to say yeah. goodbye, but stay on because we're gonna chat with you when we're off the air.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, I uh, um, Terry and Gary's Low Expectation Podcast. I don't know. I mean, you can look it up online, Facebook, and stuff like that. I don't know the exact address. I'm really not that great with social media. Um, you know, I have the Marina, uh, Little Marina in Monroe, Michigan, that's south of Detroit, uh, Big Daddy's Boatyard. Um, I'll get you guys some shirts. Just uh, Oh, my God. Your, yeah. Give give your size yes. to Dimitri, and I'll send a bunch out to him. So, light blue or black? What, like blue. what color? Black. Black. I, 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 just, first light picked, light I could light. care less Okay Yeah It's it's a pretty cool logo I, I, I designed it myself But uh, Anyways I think And I've gotten a lot of good feedback too So I'll get you guys some shirts out And then uh, Yeah that's about it So I'm Impact was, Wrestling Every Tuesday night
0: I was at your marina When you were laying down gravel Because I had so I yeah, I I was like, I gotta at least go see this. You were not there that day, which I was a little bummed out, but I did I did come out while you were still doing that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is awesome, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. And the house, I think the house was still being cited.
2: That mm -hmm. was a six month uh well, a four month ordeal. Holy cow, I had my buddy start it, he couldn't finish it. I got another guy. He fell off the ladder, broke his ankle. <laughs> oh, dang. He said he would come back out, and then he ended literally, this guy, he's like 65 years old. Well, no, he's probably about 62. He looks like he's 85. He's been smoking ever since he was Oof. able to walk. And uh, this dude is hardcore. I thought I was tough. He, he literally fell off the ladder and then broke his ankle and then grabbed it and tried to straighten it out they had what i don't mean to laugh i'm like i would have been laying down there crying oh (laughs) trust me i think i'm gonna have to go to the hospital it's broke i think it's broken it's like you think right so he comes back two weeks later they had to do they had to wait to do surgery they had to put it in a um uh one of those gimmicks where the steel rods and they had to to straighten it out for two weeks before they could do the surgery right he goes two weeks after that i'll be out you know i'm like listen you know i can help you this and that and ended up he wasn't able to do it because he was moving around on it and it opened up the incision uh-huh. and it got an infected he ended up being mm. all right like, what a tough sob right That's, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. And, okay uh, so
3: this is my last question to yeah. uh, to, to you rhino or dimitri so, and this is going to sound really dumb, but what what is the – because I'm not a fisherman. What is the, the, the main fish out there that you catch perch. and you can go fry?
2: Perch. Yeah, perch or trout. Yeah. Okay, perch. Well, I,
3: I'm not a seafood guy, never have been. And I, we had a day off in Detroit, and we took a boat out. And I'm telling you, and it, and it was unbelievable. We could, They took us back to wherever we were at, and they fried something up. And I'm going to tell you what, I – so only – the only time I'll probably ever eat seafood again is if I ever go back to Detroit because it was unbelievable.
2: Oh, we got a lot of guys over here that go fishing and they catch, they catch their limit. Like uh, right now, walleyes running. So that's exactly what it is. Oh yeah. 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 We'll get you out on the boat. The, oh. the, in two hours. They caught their limit. So yeah. They, what's the, they, what's they the limit? What's that?
1: What's the limit on um, walleyes and stuff?
2: I think it's uh, six per person. Four or six, yeah. So it might be eight. I don't know. But, yeah, it's it's quite a bit. And when they're running, man, oh, they just, like I said, in two hours last year, this year. And then uh, the perch season wasn't that good because um, down in the southern part of Lake Erie by Toledo, it wasn't that good. But you have to go north a little bit. So
3: the walleye makes because right now – is we're in baseball supposed to be playing. And that's, we had a day off in Detroit and well, Hey Rhino, thank you. I tell you what, what an honor and a pleasure to meet you. And, um, just what a class act you are and continued success. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I mean, I, we have, what do we, what do we have to we have 12 listeners. I uh, went up
1: to 15,
3: went up to 15 listeners, but I think more than anything, it was so cool to talk to you and just completely opposite of what, I thought, and obviously what I thought was you beating the crap out of everybody in the ring, <laughs> but what a class act. And thank you so much for joining us. And if you ever need anything from us, we're going to have Dennis. Cause we don't Me and Dimitri Send our numbers or whatever, but if you ever need anything, <laughs> please, please let us know a huge yeah, fan for
2: sure. for sure. And the same with you guys.
1: Hey Rhino, I appreciate you coming on because we just really start. Well, those two are doing it and I just joined in with them and, um, you know, the kill time and stuff. And I was like, they was like, do you know anybody? I was like, yeah, I know somebody. I didn't want to pull out my bullets all at once and stuff. But, you know, I always talk about you and, and our time that we hung out together. You know, I, you know, that's real huge to me, especially right. especially now, you know. It's like, you know, we still have that going on. And, and, and you know, just much success to you. And, and just keep doing what you're doing because just know I'm watching and I'm a big fan.
0: Oh, Um, cool, I appreciate it, Yeah, same here. Huge thank you to Rhino, and an even bigger thank you to Dimitri Young for getting Rhino on the show. Dimitri, I got to at least publicly thank you because that was one of those guys that I had goosebumps talking to.
1: Well, I mean, y'all both experienced what I experienced when I first met Rhino. You see him on television as this fierce, ass-kicking badass, and then when you meet him, he's soft spoken, he's very intelligent, holds conversations and, and and I mean, you can hold a conversation with him about anything and, and that's what what I learned about him back 10, 10 years ago and and be, been able to have a friendship with him ever since. And you know, I'm glad that that you got the experience the Rhino and, and, and of course Jason, you know, you had question after question form and 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 he gave you answer after answer, and I mean, it very intriguing just listening to him, and knowing that the things that he's doing out there in the wrestling industry is what makes wrestling good.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I a thousand percent. I mean, I, I talk a lot, and I understand that, and you guys have to tell me to shut up more. But I'm going to tell you what: what a class act, and that's the first thing that came to my mind after he he would answer any and everything. And obviously, when you see Rhino in the ring or uh, wherever it may be, whatever company he's with, this is a bad dude. But this also goes back to the to the fans right now that you're not. There's certain people that when you watch a a, a sporting event, that you you are automatically have, and I, I do the same thing. You automatically have an opinion But I'm going to tell you what this man was as class acts all I can think of. He was that good of a person. So, I mean, if the world had more people like him and I'm not even talking about wrestling, I'm just talking about the way he handles himself and the way he cares about others. It would be unbelievable. So what a class act! And thank you again, Rhino.
0: All right. Here's the call to action part of the show. As you guys know, things have been amazing the last several weeks. Thank you. Everybody who's listened to every podcast, who's rated, subscribed, left a comment. Uh, We're doing a few new things that we haven't really talked about on the podcast. We're going to give you guys a quick rundown. First and foremost, head to our Facebook page. We don't talk about it much. We're really kind of blowing the dust off of it. We're really going to do a huge push to try to get more Facebook likes. Uh, Basically, what we're doing now is we've been doing these live podcasts where we sit around, we talk baseball, we're going to do some talking wrestling on different fan pages. But as soon as we really build up the fan base on our Facebook page, we're going to start kind of really doing videos there. So we really need you guys to head over to Wrestling With Sports and like it on Facebook. You have a question. It's sports related. It's wrestling related email us at wrestlingwithsports at gmail.com. We do have a phone line. I know a lot of people, I'm getting a lot of emails. We have to do, I think one of the shows we do in the upcoming week is uh, ask Jason and Dimitri because I'm probably sitting on 60 emails right now and that would be a great ask you to show. So that's going to be done. 248-455-6565 if you want to leave a voicemail and ask us a question, but everything seems to be coming through. The the emails. And like I said, Facebook is a huge push. Wherever you get your podcasts, rate, subscribe. That's what helps us in the algorithms move up the rankings. And more than anything, Jason will tell you this. Dimitri will tell you this. Tell a friend. This is one of these podcasts where we need your help to grow. And the best way to do it is just tell a friend. If you have a Facebook page, if you have Twitter, whatever, smokescreen. Uh, MySpace. I don't care if you have to get on your Grinder account. Just get on there and tell your friends about the show. That's how we grow. Right, guys? Absolutely. And I think right. more than anything that if you guys,
3: the, the more we get, the more downloads we get for wrestling with sports, the more lives we will do. And that's the bottom line. Because me, Dimitri, and Dennis, we all do love doing the lives and giving you guys some insight that I don't think too many people know about especially from the baseball aspect of it, but the wrestling aspect of it as well, because Dimitri and Dennis are both very well connected. And, you know, I'm obviously a fan, but the more downloads we get for for, or to wrestling with sports, the more lives we will do and the more questions you guys can ask. And you know what, in all honesty, baseball wrestling, the more feedback, the more real feedback you will get from people who have done that, been there, done that, and you know what? Not to say that we're right, but you'll get a response from us to um, that you might take, you might love, you might hate, whatever. But you'll know a little bit more about um, the game and wrestling. Yep, and-, and
1: and and furthermore, we like to talk. We have a lot of knowledge both about the game, about wrestling, about life, about coaching, and so we're open forum here. But of course, we're going to talk the way that we talk because one. That's who we are, and number two, that's how you get to know us as people. We, we get to be ourselves and talk about topics. We we love for you to listen and 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 give us some input and give us things to talk about. Give us topics. Give us anything. You know, that's what we're here for. And I, I'll say what I have to say, then I'll say what he have to say, and then we'll give Jason the
0: mic. sit <laughs> back and listen. <laughs> But as I said, more importantly, Facebook wrestling with sports. Go like it right now. Our home for Facebook Live is uh, Detroit Sports Nation. So if you find that, but uh, we're gonna really do a big push and start kind of posting podcasts and what time and and where you can find these Facebook lives and hopefully you'll be a part of them. You there's chat rooms. You can. It's not just us talking and you can watch us. It there's chat rooms. You can be interactive. We at we. If you haven't seen one, I think there's up one up now, and it'll be up for another hour or two, and, and you'll be able to find if you rush over there to Detroit Sports Nation. There's You can watch, I think, an hour and 30-minute one we did, and it was question after question, and we answered every question we could that came through, and it's super interactive and super fun. So that's kind of the newest thing we're doing, and we would love for you, the podcast listener, to be part of it. So Uh, Guys, let's wrap this up and send everybody home after a great hour and 46-minute podcast.
1: Ooh, peace, people. Bye.